Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, 27-year veteran of the NYPD. Folks, what we're seeing over in uh, the Middle East and Israel uh, after these attacks from Hamas are unprecedented in the way that civilians were specifically targeted in these attacks by Hamas, which should be considered a a terrorist organization, uh, not an army, not a sanctioned army, but a terrorist organization that specifically targeted uh, helpless civilians, specifically children, schools, music festivals, to carry out their attacks on a country that was unaware and totally surprised by this uh, these attacks again you hear a lot that this was a intelligence failure uh israel is known to be or have one of the top intelligence uh capabilities in the entire world however this was not something that just occurred at the spur of the moment this had been planned for over a year and as a result of these attacks, there are over 150 hostages. And it keeps changing hour by hour as more and more uh, techniques are being used by both Hamas to uh, play the public relations war besides the actual on-ground violent killing people war. And Israel is going forward with, of course, taking Gaza and uh, commencing the ground war and going house to house in an attempt to recover these hostages. Now, the United States, there's at least, uh, the number keeps changing, 15 to 20 of these hostages are American citizens. So the Biden administration is involved behind the scenes, uh, of course, show, uh, showing American strength by sending warships there, supplying Israel with anything they need in regards to weaponry, supplies, all of those things. We are fully behind Israel in this war. Yet there are so many innocent people on both sides dying. Palestinians have to, that aren't involved with Hamas, have to get out of Gaza. Just think... Uh, about evacuating any area in a 24-hour period when there's over a million people. It's just, it sounds like an impossibility. And then countries that they could flee into, for example, Egypt will not allow them to cross over into the border. So very, very difficult politics for the people there. And you can understand why Palestinians who are not involved with Hamas uh, are victims of this also. But when, the biggest thing we cannot ignore is the sheer violence and depravity and just animalism of these attacks on civilians, babies, families. And what we're really concentrating on today is how are they going to recover some of these hostages? And of course, alive unscathed, unheard. How is that? It seems like almost an impossibility. However, the work is underway to attempt to do this. And we're going to talk about this on today's show. Folks, buckle in, hold on to your hat. This is Police Off the Cuff, real crime stories, real crime, and the top stories from the police perspective. Hang on, and we'll be there in just a few minutes. There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in town and Grant's microbiome. We still don't know who pulled the trigger.
Hello, folks. We're back. Police off the cuff, and I'm your host, Bill Cannon. According to the New York Times, the Hamas hostages, uh, the scale of the hostage situation in the Gaza Strip has no recent precedent. Shiri Bibas, a young mother, is holding her two red-headed sons, Ariel, who's four, and Kifir, nine months, as armed militants surround them in an online video. In a separate video, Doran Asher Katz, who's 34, is being blindfolded in the back of a pickup truck. Next to her are her mother, Efrat Katz, 67 years old, and her daughters, Raz, 5, and Aviv, 3. 12-year-old Erez Calderon appears in yet another video being pushed down a path by Palestinian militia members. Noam Eliakim, a father, can be seen limping while militants march him across the border into Gaza. When attackers entered his home on Saturday, they shot him in the leg and used his wife's phone to live stream as they abducted the family, including his daughters, Daphna, 15, and Ella, 8. Yafa Adar, 85, is the woman in an image that much of the world has seen as she sat in a golf cart that militants drove into Gaza. She normally takes medication for chronic pain and heart and lung conditions. Without her medication, every minute is a horror for her. There's no recent precedent for the scale of hostage situation in the Gaza Strip. Hamas, the militant group that governs much of Gaza, abducted about 150 people during its weekend invasion of southern Israel. Most of the hostages are civilians. Hamas has threatened to execute them one by one and videotape the killings each time an Israeli airstrike hits Gazans in their homes. No modern government, not even the world's most brutal like those in Russia or North Korea, has used hostages in this way as human shields under threat of public execution. It is a reminder of why both the U.S. government and European Union categorize Hamas as a terrorist organization. The hostages are also shaping the initial stages of this new war between Israel and Hamas, complicating Israel's planned retaliation. So folks, we've seen the pictures. We've seen uh, those motorized gliders going into the uh, the music festival, the peace festival, as it should be called. Here's that uh, picture of the, the grandmother being kidnapped. Uh, and of course, we see this young lady running on the screen, running for her life as these armed Hamas terrorists uh, infiltrated this music festival attacking a peaceful festival. And again, this in, in another way, this is unprecedented, is the fact that they are using, uh, look at that. Imagine that, like, and what we're seeing on the screen is these motorized aviation tools of death flying toward the music festival is a better look on the screen of two Hamas terrorists in it just indiscriminately shooting people on the ground. Uh, just, I can't even imagine being at that festival and the fear that these folks uh, must have felt uh, as this was occurring. And you, you always hope to be rescued or hope that someone is coming. Someone is coming to help you. And this war now has been taken right to the civilians uh i'm going to show some um video here of soldiers rescuing hostages or retaking a military an israeli military encampment uh and the idf is is claiming that they rescued over 250 people in retaking this facility and killed 60 uh Hamas terrorists in, in this retaking this military installation. 
says Israel's military ordered the evacuation of northern Gaza. That is 1.1 million people. They've been given 24 hours to leave, which could mean the ground offensive Israel has been threatening is imminent. Meantime, the combined death toll is now at 2,800. The Israel Defense Forces releasing new video showing its service members rescuing hostages held by Hamas, some naked and bloody. The IDF says the operation from the first day of war rescued around 250 hostages alive. The chief of the general staff addressing the nation Thursday saying the IDF is fighting ruthless terrorists who have committed acts that are beyond belief. The military out with this online tribute to their IDF soldiers killed since the fighting began Saturday. 171 of them honored in this virtual candlelight vigil. The unity that you're showing is U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken in Israel Thursday meeting with survivors of the Hamas terror attacks and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Blinken promising support. This must be a moment for moral clarity. Hamas is ISIS, and just as ISIS was crushed, so too will Hamas be crushed. Israeli officials say a complete siege of Gaza will remain in place until Hamas frees the 150 hostages it has. U.S. officials estimate at least five are American. The death toll of U.S. citizens rising to 27, and the number of missing now sits at 14, according to White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby. Kirby says starting Friday, for Americans trying to leave Israel, the U.S. is arranging charter flights and exploring whether it's possible to help Americans leave by land and by sea. Hearing the fire of the Iron Dome. Native Angelino Harry Fisher is just one American eager to get back to the States. Over Zoom, he told me his trip to see his daughter has turned into a lesson of living in a war zone. The siren goes off. I've got 90 seconds to get to shelter. 90 seconds. Fisher, about 35 miles from Gaza, says at any given moment he receives a text message like this, urging residents to take cover in a bomb shelter. His flight out leaves Monday. Why not sooner? It's almost impossible. If this war really intensifies over the weekend, um, all bets are off. Because, I mean, if, if they close the airport, I'm not getting out. Now about that evacuation order of northern Gaza, thousands of residents, many of them children, are trapped in Gaza with no safe quarters out. Gaza has been under a blockade imposed by Israel and Egypt since 2007, leaving people in Gaza with no way to escape. And there are, Christine, uh, calls from humanitarian groups for those safe quarters to be established. Those have not been established just it yet. really is unthinkable, all that we're witnessing here, and the worst tomorrow could even, even more. It, it's already Friday there, and yeah. so we'll see what happens in the next uh, several hours. Very so telling. Suffering. Mm -hmm. All right. You know, folks, we, I think that we as Americans, uh, we got a taste of this uh, during 9-11 and nothing like anything close to this where, you know, you had uh, terrorists uh, killing civilians, uh, going, going door to door, going into schools. And I don't know if we as Americans can appreciate this with our freedoms and, and the, uh, what what is actually happening over there uh, of this horrific violence um and israelis uh have been living with this for years you know uh, they have that iron dome that stops a lot of the rockets fired from across the border uh into israel or from gaza into israel but now because it's there's so much overwhelming firepower coming I don't know if that Iron Dome has the ability to stop all of the rockets that are coming for us. It sounds so crazy, rockets being fired into your uh, in, in, into your home, just just totally outrageous. And But uh, they live with this. Um, there has been secret Hamas documents recovered uh, in the fact that the terrorists had have targeted um, schools and specifically civilians, which now they deny. But apparently there has been documents recovered 
And let me play a little bit of this from MSNBC, and we'll they're going to talking about this this very thing. Planning that went into Saturday's attack by Hamas. NBC News reporting that documents recovered that were taken basically from the bodies of Hamas members actually had a coordinated plan to try to target Israeli schools and youth centers and take hostages, potentially children, inside an Israeli village near Gaza. Joining us now from Ashdod, Israel, is NBC News foreign correspondent Raf Sanchez. Raf, what can you tell us tonight? Well, Ari, my colleague Anna Schechter and I have new reporting that shows that far from Hamas's claim that it does not target children being true, in fact, they drew up detailed plans to send Hamas gunmen terrorists to surround specific schools in a number of kibbutzim close to the Gaza border with instructions to these terrorists to kill as many people as they could and to take hostages. Now, the hostages are seen as important bargaining chips by Hamas, and they had detailed plans, almost a human relay, that one squad would snatch the hostages from these schools, from these youth centers, and they would then be transferred on to other squads whose mission was to get them back into Gaza. So, folks, this uh, is unprecedented. Even the most brutal regimes have never specifically targeted civilians and children and children's schools and kibbutzes and systemically murdered people in order and 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 in a lot of cases videotaped taped this so that they could show it on social media this is the new world this brutal brutal new world we live in where they could be imprisoned and eventually used as bargaining chips now the tactics outlined in these documents, which were found by Israeli officials on the bodies of Hamas terrorists, were the tactics that were executed by these gunmen in the field. It describes in detail using columns of motorcycles to move these fast-acting squads from one kibbutz to the other. Um, we see them moving street by street, surrounding specific areas. Ultimately, this attack was carried out in the very early hours of a Saturday morning. So these schools were not in session. These classrooms were not full of kids. But the intention appears to have been there. Hamas, rather cynically today, released some video showing some of these terrorists holding Israeli children during some of the sieges that went on in these kibbutzim. They released this video trying to give the impression that somehow they were kind to children, they were compassionate to children as they carried out a legitimate military action against Israeli troops. But those claims undermined not only by these documents that Anna and I are reporting, but also by these just absolutely gruesome photographs put out by the Israeli government showing the charred corpses of babies, as well as other babies who have been shot. Ari. Understood. Uh, and, and thank you for walking us through that. What is new reporting here at Friday night, East Coast time, Ralph Sanchez. I uh, hope you and your team stay safe. So, folks, you know, one of the things that to me that's that's disturbing, I think, to a lot of other people uh, that's disturbing is that you see many people saying, oh, what proof do you have that this happened, that this occurred? And I saw that uh, Secretary of State Blinken, uh, who was met uh, with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who was shown the proof, whose face looked as if he had never seen anything like he had witnessed at that time. And that's what people are going to continue to say. What proof do you have that this actually happened? You know, how do you know that this actually happened? Uh and, and those are the same things that we've heard, you know, after Hitler, the Holocaust. People, Holocaust deniers. This is fresh a week ago. And people are already denying that this happened, that, that children were murdered during this. People are denying this. The faces on the screen you see right there of people that have been killed during this these attacks. Uh, just 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 outrageous and again
people denying that this this ever even happened. I just think that it's uh it, it's outrageous that that people uh are denying this. And and we can we can't let that occur. We have to make sure that uh this is not Hang on, folks. I'm going to put something on the screen for everyone to watch about the hostage crisis here. Six days into the worst hostage crisis in Israel's history, desperate families waiting for answers. I can only think about my family over there, Steve. What are they doing to them? There are at least 150 hostages, and there are still Americans unaccounted for. But some receiving the news they'd feared the most. That's your mom. Earlier this week, 66-year-old American Adrian Netta's family was on the phone with her when Hamas gunmen burst into her home. Her son, speaking to Lester Holt, still hopeful. We're waiting for you. We love you. We're waiting for you at home. But now, Netta's family confirming she's been found dead. The family had called on the U.S. and Israel to do everything they can to find the hostages. Secretary Blinken and a team in Israel this morning to push forward the search for Americans still missing. While Israel waits to learn their fate in the darkest hours still coming together, singing the national anthem in bomb shelters and drawing strength from stories of heroism, including that of grandmother Rahel Edri, five terrorists burst into her home on Saturday. But quick-thinking Rahel decided to offer her captors food. So on the table here, you can see some of the food. And she told us they made her taste everything she gave them because they were worried she might have tried to poison it. Buying time for Israeli commandos to storm the house and set her free. I tell the hostages the whole country and the whole world cares for you. Don't show them you're afraid, she says. I'm so happy you're safe. Really A moment of hope in an hour with few of them. Now traveling with Secretary Blinken here in Israel today is a senior U.S. official responsible for hostage rescues. The U.S. and Israeli governments are looking to come up with a joint plan to bring their citizens home. Guys. All right, Raf Sanchez, they're on the border of Gaza. Raf, thank you. You know, folks, just uh, so heartbreaking. And, you know, uh, in these situations, um, hostages can be just a bargaining chip that uh, are easily disposable. Uh, now, I shouldn't say easily, but when the price is too high to pay for them, what do you think that the, the government is going to do? Um, and, the, you know, the U.S. and, and I, I would imagine Israel also, we have a huge value on life, on human life. And some of these other countries... And obviously, these terrorists, Hamas, ISIS, uh, they don't have the same value on human life as as we do. And it, it it's it's so sad to see these things occurring. And uh, again, there is no easy way to uh, get these hostages out alive. And uh, these images you see on the screen. Uh, they're just horrific. And we can't, you know, this is not a uh, a war, soldier on soldier. This is terrorists killing civilians to make a point, to, to show the world, really. And I think Hamas has shown the world their barbarism and what they're willing to do. Uh, and how do we get back? How do we rescue kidnapped civilians? How do we make sure that they're not killed? There is no easy way. This whole tunnel system they have in Gaza, where Hamas knows where all these tunnels are underneath the city. Many of the hostages, the kidnapped civilians, could be in these this tunnel system. So when the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, commenced the ground war in Gaza. They will be doing just that, going house to house and going from tunnel to tunnel to attempt to find these hostages. I would imagine that there is all kinds of negotiation 
being attempted behind the scenes. However, again, there is no guarantee that any of these, um, these negotiations will work if any of these negotiators are going to be listened to. And uh, all we can do is keep trying and do what we've done in the past. Thank God there is experience by, of course, the CIA, the FBI, Navy SEALs, military intelligence, all the tools we have in this country. Uh, and don't forget, when we talk about an intelligence failure, um, fingers were pointed at the United States that we had an intelligence failure prior to 9-11. And that's what enabled, there were warnings, there were warning signs. However, as pointed out by numerous people, intelligence is not just the work of the people that collect the intelligence and the people that act upon and the people that investigate the intelligence. It also involves government and politicians. Politicians who are reluctant to take chances on things that will make them look bad. So let's not forget this, that intelligence can be a failure at many, many levels. And I see many news reporters trying to get uh, get specific answers. How was this intelligence failure possible? And an intelligence official said, well, because it's a many-tiered, many-tiered application that many people have to be hitting on all cylinders for it to work correctly. Look, during 9-11 with the United States, there was information that some people were taking flight lessons in Florida and that they only wanted to learn how to fly a plane up in the air. They didn't want to know how to take off and they didn't want to learn how to land. Should that have drawn some red flags? Yeah, I think it should have been. And there were other things that were disregarded. The FBI was looking specifically for two terrorists that were in the country. I believe they were in San Diego, California. And the CIA had the information they wouldn't tell the FBI. So those are some of the bureaucratic, nonsensical things that our government deals with. And I'm sure every government deals with that at all levels. So there, that's where you can get intelligence failures. And was this an intelligence failure? Well, yeah, it was. But then again, when they conclude this, this war, hopefully it'll be over quickly, although it doesn't appear that that's going to occur. They'll look back and see what were the failures? What did we need to do? What did we miss? Why didn't we act upon this? Why didn't this person do that? Why didn't that person do this? Well, there's going to be enough blame to go around, but that's not right now. That's not the most important thing. Hostages be rescued when Israel's about to launch a huge invasion of Gaza. And I mean real hostages held, held in Gaza. How can you possibly get them out? Well, that's an incredibly complicated question. You could, from a military operation perspective, you could do it at the same time as a ground invasion, or you could coordinate the rescues to go down independently. Um, but it really depends on the battlefield that is laid out in front of you with Hamas telling people not to leave. Yeah. That complicates the situation by keeping more chess pieces on the chessboard itself. It doesn't make it impossible, um, but it certainly makes it more complex. If Israel is going to eradicate Hamas, crush it, destroy it, it will level much of Gaza, I presume, which means I hate to put it like this, but there's not that much hope of rescuing those people who are being held hostage now. I hate to put it in those terms. I, I don't like those terms either, but I tend to agree with you. I don't think that an ideology can truly be destroyed. Um, if Israel is going to achieve the military goals that they have stated and clear the entire area, I think the difficult decision that the battle space commanders are going to have to make is how much are they going to tolerate when it comes to the loss of life from either civilians or the hostages because from a tactical perspective keeping hostages on the battlefield keeping civilians on the battlefield 
it actually makes sense. But I would hope that those people being told not to leave realize that those telling them not to leave don't actually care about them. They care about their own ideology more than they do the life of the people they're telling to stay. Uh, Andy, is, is it possible for America to help Ukraine militarily, to help Israel militarily, and maybe also help Taiwan militarily if there's another threat from China? What I'm getting at is, can we do all of this at the same time? And do we need a huge increase in our defense budget? Conceptually, I think we would be able to do it. The Israeli military is incredibly capable and com uh, competent. They have uh, counter-terrorist forces, hostage rescue forces. And I think from uh, a support perspective, likely the best thing that we can do is support them from an intelligence uh, arena. Uh, Ukraine, the same thing. We cannot engage in, and uh, and allow our military to be disparate across the globe from a fully engaged perspective. But I think the military ability that we have, whether it be through the intelligence complex or the actual soldiers and boots on the ground support, if we apply it properly, we can absolutely do so. So in concept, I think it's very possible. The practical execution of that, I think it's very difficult. Got it. Andy Stump, thanks very much. Thank you for supplying your expertise. Sir. We do appreciate that. So, folks, you can just um, see, again, uh, I don't think you even have to have an expert tell us how difficult this would be to rescue these hostages. And uh, Israel is very forthright in uh, not negotiating with terrorists. However, once they go on the ground, door to door, we've seen what Hamas is capable of. We've seen what they've done. So will they will they execute the hostages as the israelis uh as the israelis start the ground invasion and that that is a big big uh question we have here what will what will happen once uh once they hit the ground you know once the the ground war starts what What's going to happen? What will they do once they, once uh, they invade Gaza? Which you know now it's been bombs being fallen. Then they're going to go door to door, and how is that going to look? And we're going to see that shortly. And again, the people who have loved ones that are being held hostage—it's unbelievable uh, the stress they are under, and many people in this part of the world i don't think you ever get used to war but this is really uh, a horrific uh, situation are being held by hamas in the gaza strip holly williams has more on the efforts to rescue them new video today from israel's military claims to show special forces doing battle with hamas militants on saturday near the border with gaza and rescuing around 250 hostages. On the other side of the border, there'd be even greater risks. How difficult is it to rescue a hostage from the Gaza Strip? Yohanan Plesner is a former commando in Israel's military. Hamas has uh, uh, underground tunnels and, and basements, but they sure know how to torture and hide uh, uh, people, and, uh, and, and they have so many of them, so it will be extremely uh, difficult. Disturbing Hamas propaganda appears to show the militants mistreating their captives. For relatives of those taken, it's unbearable. Hamas claims 13 hostages held in Gaza have already been killed in Israeli airstrikes, which we cannot verify. This is the single largest... Gershon Baskin is an Israeli hostage negotiator who dealt with Hamas directly to help secure the release of a captured Israeli soldier, Gilad Shalit, in 2011. Now, he says, Hamas will not negotiate. Only Israel's military can free the hostages. They're going to go in, in a military ground operation to find and rescue the hostages as much as possible. No doubt many hostages will be killed but all their captors will be killed, from the top of the leadership to the accountant of Hamas.
And Holly Williams joins us now. Holly, how difficult is it to locate these hostages? Well, Catherine, we've actually heard differing opinions on that question. You saw that ex-Israeli commando in our report. I mean, his point was that Hamas is expert at using tunnels and basements to, to hide people, including hostages. But you also saw the hostage negotiator in our story. Um, and he was actually more optimistic. In his opinion, uh, the hostages are not being held in a single location, but are likely spread out across the Gaza Strip. Uh, which may actually increase the chances of finding them. Of course, locating the hostages is one thing. Rescuing them is entirely another. Presumably, that would be some kind of special forces operation. And obviously, it would be extremely dangerous. You know, through your reporting, and I've worked in the region, Hamas has taken hostages before. So what makes this scenario stand out? You're right. They have a history of taking hostages. I think what's different here is, firstly, the numbers. Um, Israel confirmed today that there are at least 120 hostages, and then that so many of them are civilians, including the elderly, including the children. Um, I'm sure you've seen the videos, as I have. Hamas um, is using them as part of its propaganda. And then, of course, that we know now that some of the hostages are American, uh, which gives this, of course, an international dimension. Well, of course, American hostages, they might think, have greater currency. So at its core, is this about taking hostages to extract concessions from the Israeli government? Well, we don't know exactly what Hamas's motivations were when they launched this attack, but certainly now they are clearly using the hostages. First of all, they've said that they won't negotiate while they're still under enemy fire. And they've even threatened to kill one hostage every time Israel bombs Palestinian civilians without warning. So that's a kind of game of deadly blackmail that Hamas is playing right now. Holly Williams, thank you so much. We're so grateful for your reporting this week. So, folks, just a, a report on, again, how difficult it is going to be to rescue these hostages. Um, just, you know, it's not just... Um, this isn't a, just a military operation. This is an operation to save civilians. This was a terrorist operation from minute one, and we are dealing with no rules of war. What we're dealing with is is uh, terrorism, basically, you know. And uh, as you see these images flash across your screen of people running for their lives, it's just uh, it's beyond it's beyond comprehension. Uh, both sides know that Israel is on the verge of a full-scale invasion of Gaza intended to destroy Hamas and prevent future attacks. Israelis seem large, largely united behind this goal despite their political divisions. Hamas attacks have killed at least 1,200 Israelis relative to population size, the equivalent of around 44,000 Americans. Many victims were defenseless civilians. One video shows a group of armed Hamas members marching four Israelis with their hands tied behind their backs down a street. Another video analyzed by the Washington Post shows the four lying on the same street shot dead. So these images of, uh, again, innocent civilians. Um, the one in incentive for Hamas to release hostages may be global opinion. After several years in which left-leaning Americans and Europeans became more sympathetic to the Palestinian cause, the horror of the recent attacks has put some Palestinian supporters on the defensive. I think that the brutality here is not helping the Palestinian cause. Stephen Walter Harvard, political scientist, said, um, President Biden referred yesterday to the threatened executions as a violation of every code of human morality. Uh, it's, it's, it has to be, you know, as I stated on a previous show that, uh, by the way, those remarks were attributed to the, to the New York Times. Uh, again, uh, the first shipment of U.S. weapons arrived in Israel and, 
Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, has already been there and spoke to Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, and again, after taking, uh, retaking towns near Gaza, the Israeli military is preparing for a major offensive. Uh, Israel has clashed with Hezbollah on the border with Lebanon. Experts worry about a broader conflict. Obviously, um, we don't want other organizations, other terrorist organizations getting involved in this. And that is the fear that others um, others could be getting involved into this. And, and that would be a huge, a huge, huge fear that this, this could occur. Uh, but even the ground invasion is is going to be a uh, a very bloody ground invasion. One in which uh, no one no one really wants to uh, wants this to occur. But uh, it's probably actually occurring or in its very latest planning stages as we speak right here. So that's what we all fear as um, we play this on the screen. First of all, given the fact uh, that the sheer number of people, perhaps 1.1 million people, uh, in a situation where there's very little fuel, uh, the number of people, where are they going to go, where are they going to be housed, uh, the UN and other international organizations in uh, Gaza are saying it's simply not possible, given the number of people and the circumstances. There's an active war. Uh, people are afraid to just move in the streets. So moving 1.1 million people uh, from northern Gaza to the southern part is something that's hard to imagine being done on practical terms. Now, I've been in Gaza before, for instance. In 2014, the Israelis ordered the evacuation of civilians from northern communities, ones near the Israeli border. For the most part, people were able to do that because you could get out by walking, you could get out by riding on a donkey cart, perhaps if you could get a car ride out. Uh, but that was relatively small numbers compared to Gaza City. Gaza City is huge. Where are you going to put all these people when you move them south, when none of the relief supplies, tents, food, water, medicine have been allowed into the Gaza Strip? So it's very difficult to imagine how this could possibly be done. And Hamas is calling on people to stay in their homes, to stay put. Uh, so this is going to be very difficult. And certainly, if people do not or cannot evacuate those areas, the Israelis are calling them to leave, and this ground offensive goes ahead, probability is will be a bloodbath. Ben Wiedemann joining us in southern Lebanon. Ben, thank you very much. And joining us now to get more of these questions answered, IDF spokesman, Lieutenant Colonel, Colonel Peter Lerner. Colonel, thank you for your time again this morning, as always. I do want to ask you for confirmation on what Hamas is claiming, that 13 Israeli prisoners taken hostage during the weekend's attack, they are claiming they have been killed in Gaza by Israeli bombings. Has the IDF confirmed those deaths? Obviously, I can't confirm those, and we have to be cautious with everything Hamas is saying, uh, and their propaganda efforts are uh, extensive. Um, this morning, we are continuing our activities against uh, the Hamas terrorist organization and their infrastructure throughout uh, the Gaza Strip. But specifically, we are, are targeting uh, special operations capabilities. We've taken out their drone capabilities. Uh, they had attack drones uh, that were poisoned and prepared to be uh, launched at Israel, but we've taken some of those out, and we're continuing our effort to make sure Hamas can never, ever threaten Israel again. They cannot be permitted to do so. do not have uh, confirmation of what Hamas is claiming there. Do you have any update, Colonel, on the condition of all of the hostages, any of them, that are being held? No, to my knowledge, they've not announced, not released any information except for disinformation. Mm -hmm. And I would be, um, and, and we're, we're looking into it very uh, cautiously. The situation is as such, we believe that Hamas are responsibility for the well-being of all of the hostages that they've taken, and they need to return them immediately. They need to release them to Israel, um, and they will bear the consequences for their actions. The situation on the ground, uh, obviously, is a complicated one, and we're taking operating in caution 
with regard to um, the hostage situation. And of course, you know, folks, you can't even imagine. Uh, here's these hostages. They could be anywhere in Gaza. They have these tunnels. They're being held by terrorists. And now the IDF goes into Gaza and starts this ground war. Um, think of how perilous that makes it for the hostages. At any point, they could be killed because although they are a bargaining chip for Hamas and there's different parts to this, this attack and there's the PR part, the public relations part, and even though Hamas are terrorists, they are using propaganda, making video, putting it out on social media. And a lot of it is propaganda to, of course, scare uh, Israelis and to put the fear in them. But these are a tough people. These are a people that have been at war for many, many years and have lived in these circumstances where uh, the threat of invasion and the threat of terrorism is always a possibility in Israel. So, yes, we want there to be the rescue of these hostages. So going door to door, rescuing hostages door to door, quite difficult, you know, because what doors are they behind? What has Hamas taken over? What homes? What tunnels? What buildings have they taken over? And what lengths will they go to? Well, we already know what lengths they will go to uh, to hold these people, to kill these people as they get overwhelmed by the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces. Uh, and those are the questions we have here. And again, it can never be underestimated how difficult this is to rescue hostages. Just the word hostage itself implies uh, that it's not going to be an easy feat. Of course, it is influencing our operational um, uh, game plan. How is it influencing it? Is it causing the IDF not to take certain actions at this moment that it would otherwise take? It, 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 I, I obviously won't elaborate on operational considerations, but definitely it is part of the planning process and, and, and we do need to take that into consideration. Okay. Our priority is to return them home as soon as possible. The uh, order uh, from recommendation from Israel for about 1.1 million people, according to the UN, to move out of northern Gaza. There have been some reports of a time frame put on that. Is there a time frame that the IDF has put on that? So the order is to evacuate immediately. Um, and I would highly recommend that people adhere to that instruction because the, 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 the military is determined to um, take out Hamas's capabilities. You know, that they operate um, as from a stronghold within Gaza and Gaza City, and they can no longer be permitted to utilize that area so I would say, yes, the idea is in order to minimize and mitigate civilian casualties, and this is what you've been asking us up over the last couple of days, uh, what about humanitarian corridor? This is part of the humanitarian effort so that people will not be uh, influenced more than they have to be in this conflict. Hamas, unfortunately, is calling on the other hand, no, people do not evacuate, stay and sacrifice yourself, because that exemplifies exactly what we've been saying. Hamas has no regard for human life. Israeli or Palestinian, they will sacrifice everybody as they are proving time and time again. The question is, is there a... You, you know, Lieutenant uh, Colonel Peter Lerner, uh, he's talking uh, obviously about the... Uh, that they're ordering people out of Gaza because if they don't get out, there's a good possibility they could be killed. Uh, and not intentionally, but this is a ground war that's going to get very bloody. And on the other hand, Hamas wants these people, even Palestinian people, to remain. And they want human shields. And there's the difference between 
the sanctity of human life, uh, as per Lieutenant Colonel Lerner here, uh, on the Israeli perspective, and Hamas, who is suggesting that Palestinians stay in Gaza. And staying in Gaza could certainly mean uh, death or a good chance of death. And that's why the Lieutenant Colonel Lerner from the IDF is reiterating that they want uh, folks to leave. And the UN and many other organizations talk about the humanitarian crisis that's going to occur. Of course, yeah, they turned off the electricity. There's no water. There's no services. And that's all a, a military uh, strategy, a strat uh, strategy, if you would say, of uh, the IDF to get people to leave, to get people to get out of there. Granted, options are not great. They have to go to the southern part of of Gaza and and to to get out to get out of the country. And Egypt to the north will not allow them to cross the border. Um, so it's not an easy feat for anyone. And just imagine that many people, 1.1 million people, trying to evacuate such a small place. Uh, look, I've tried to get out of New York City on a Friday afternoon uh, at 4 o'clock. And on a regular day, a regular, it's impossible to get the hell out of New York City and to get home. So imagine when 1.1 million people were ordered to leave at a very specific time and place. A safe window for the, all of those people, a million plus people to evacuate to the South. The United Nations says it is, quote, impossible for such a movement to take place without devastating humanitarian consequences as these airstrikes continue. So here's what we do. When we saw a threat on the border with Gaza, we evacuated the people from the border with Gaza. What is Hamas doing? They're not doing anything. They're sacrificing. They're telling them, no, stay pit. The IDF isn't coming. The IDF is operating. We are operating extensively. When they place their drone, their uh, offensive drones, their strike drones, their suicide drones on the roofs of houses, they are jeopardizing everybody in that house. They don't care. So we're telling people, evacuate this area because we are operating. We plan on broadening but the scope of our operations in order to achieve our Colonel, I'm going to move on, but what I'm trying to understand is, is there a window of safety, right? The UN has said 24 hours, for example. Is there a window of safety when this evacuation of a highly million people that, can happen? That the, the evacuation takes place immediately. Um, the window of uh, the 24 hours that we're talking about is, a re is the highly high recommendation, but it could go on for, beyond that. Okay. But I would say the instruction is, is get up and get out of the north of Gaza and Gaza City and move to, move to the south. And just to be clear, though, move to the south, but there is still no crossing out of Gaza for them. I'm, yeah, I, we, we're directing them exactly where we, we expect them not to be, where people, in order to, to safeguard their own lives, should move from. Not to, not to go into Egypt or anything like that, but they should not be in the area which we designated and, and, and have told them specifically. Now, this is like a forewarning of where we're operating, forewarning of where is going to be uh, more extensive combat, where, where there are going to be more extensive strikes. You know, this is, this is the whole idea of trying to make safeguard people's lives. The instruction to leave is to save people's lives. So they should leave from the north of Gaza, from the Gaza city, they should go to the south of the city of the of the uh, Gaza Wadi, and they should they should the, the they should set up there. If they stay, they are jeopardizing themselves. Okay. This is what I'm trying to say. I, hear I know that there are concerns, considerations. There are problems, of course. I, I would say Hamas need to deal with all of those problems of how to ship people from the north to the south, like we did. We took people from their houses in the south of Israel and we moved and, them elsewhere. And, then, and Hamas have the, the responsibility, rather than failing the people of Gaza, they should help the people of Gaza. And then, Colonel, I think the question becomes, for how long can they remain in the south? Will an order like Israel has given in the north then come to them in the south? If there is Our, no crossing um, that opens. Operation. Our operation is is focused towards Hamas, not to the people of Gaza, because the people of Gaza are not our enemy. The Hamas terrorist organization that has 
butchered uh, over 1,200 people in Israel um, cannot be permitted to govern the Gaza Strip and use it as a staging ground against Israel. So when we recommend to the people of Gaza, go to the south, you should listen, go to the south, do not stay in Gaza City, do not stay in the north. And yes, everybody should listen to that recommendation. So folks, you heard Lieutenant Colonel, um, Lieutenant Colonel Lerner, uh, as to why Israel is, is asking uh, for um, the folks to uh, to get out to get out and flee to the southern part of the country, basically uh, to get out of harm's way, to get out of where the he knows where the fighting is going to occur. And conversely, he compared that that um, uh, that the Hamas is telling him to stay, which is almost like uh, as a human shield, you know. So clearly, Hamas doesn't care about the Palestinian people who are being told get out of harm's way, get out of Gaza. Uh, so very, very, very disturbing, all of this stuff going on. But uh, of course, the, the whole gist of this was how are they going to rescue the hostages? And this cover and, and this fleeing of people surely will make it easier for the IDF to go in there and use all kinds of military tact tactics in order to rescue the hostages when... Uh, people aren't so, it's not going to be so densely populated. People will have fled to the southern part of Gaza out of harm's way. You are called now to duty. Uh, what have the last few days been like for you uh, on the ground and where, where you are in Israel, which, by the way, I should say, we are not specifically naming uh, just for, for security reasons as well. Yeah, thank you for having me. I mean, it's been almost a week since this started. And as a reservist, I've been out of the army for over 10 years. I'm a civilian. I've done my degrees. I have work. I have families. And all of a sudden, on Saturday morning, it was Shabbat and it was Sukkot. It was the holiday for the Jewish people. We get called up. And we started seeing these videos of what had taken place in the morning. And our entire unit got deployed to Kval Aza which is a village on the border of Gaza, which had some of the most horrendous massacres. And unfortunately, we were there for four days, rescuing the remaining civilians that remained. But when we got there, it was a massacre. We saw bodies of men, women, children, elderly, elderly cut up into pieces, the most gruesome images you can ever imagine. And it was very unfortunate to see those things, but thankfully, we were able to secure the area. And since then, we're ready. Is there anyone listening that does not believe this soldier? This reservist, this person who's gone on with his life, you heard him, he's got his degrees, he's got his family, family members, he's a dad, you know, he's all of those things that we all are. And does anyone doubt that he's telling the truth about the horrific conditions of the bodies that he encountered? He's not, he's a reservist, he's not a professional soldier. So are we supposed to think that he's making this up? I just want anyone who's watching this to to ask that question of themselves. Ready to be deployed to the next location. Uh, as you prepare for what this next phase of the war looks like, uh, Israeli officials have been pretty clear that the plan uh, right now, the objective, is to wipe out Hamas. Uh, but I wonder, do you think that that will require street by street fighting and and are you personally prepared for what that would mean i mean the entire army has been prepared for this war hamas's goal from its very beginning has been to eliminate the jewish people and to eliminate israel it's actually been in their constitution when they built uh, their their government saying that they need to eliminate the jews not only in israel but in the entire of the world so when you give a terrorist organization like that weapons to go and fulfill their goals we know what that looks like whether it's for hamas the Palestinian Authority or Hezbollah or all these different groups that are actually oppressing its peoples and don't actually represent its peoples. If you speak to Palestinians on the ground, whether in Judea and Samaria, the West Bank or in Gaza, they do not like Hamas. They do not like the Palestinian Authority. They're on their, what, 20th year of their four-year term. These are oppressive 
regimes that are controlling their people and not only attacking Israeli civilians, but forcing Palestinians to also be caught into this conflict. Israelis do not want to see either Israelis die or Palestinians die. The majority of us are innocents. And this is not a war between the people. Let me make it clear. The Jews are not fighting the Muslims and the Israelis are not fighting the Palestinians. We're fighting Hamas, which is oppressing both Israelis and Palestinians. Are we ready? We are ready. But we also need to not only look at the what is happening, we need to understand why it is happening. And this really started with the West pushing narratives of dividing Israelis and Palestinians. The reality is that there is no future without Palestinians and without Israelis. Yeah. Neither of us are going to disappear. So I hope that when this settles, we can learn from this and transcend this conflict together. It's, it's an important uh, point, and, and, and I think so many people share your hope that, at, that if there is an end to this, hopefully there is, that it's one that is obviously a lot more peaceful. But as we sit here, there's so much concern right now about the one million or so Palestinians who are being told to flee the northern part of Gaza right now. Uh, I, I've noted that you've observed in the past that Hamas uses civilian casualties of Palestinians as a propaganda tool. But are you worried that this operation carried out by, by Israel uh, could ultimately play into Hamas's hands if those civilians are not able to evacuate and many of them end up killed? Absolutely. I don't want to see any civilian killed. You know, for me, you're, you're, you're a foreigner, you know, you're a fellow human being. But for me, Palestinians are my cousins. They're my family. So I don't want to see any Palestinians killed. And I'm glad that they have at least 24 hours to be able to evacuate. Israelis have less than 24 seconds to be able to evacuate when they're being fired on. But when we look at people in Gaza, I really hope we can minimize the casualties because none of us want to see anybody dead. We want to remove Hamas so it can stop being a threat both for Israelis and Palestinians. And in order to transcend this conflict, it's not just about creating peace, it's about creating justice. There's injustice both for Israelis and both for Palestinians. And there's one land and one land that we can both live on. But in order to get there, we have to stop these zero-sum game uh, narratives that are educating people that in order to be pro-Israel, you have to be anti-Palestinian, or in order to be pro-Palestinian, you have to be anti-Israel. The reality, if you're anti-either, you're anti-both, because we both belong on this land, and we will both be here eternally. You mentioned that you've been out of the Israeli military for about 10 years. Is there anything in your experience that compares to what you are about to go into? And how long are you expecting this conflict to last? Yes, I got out of the army in 2013. So in 2012, there was an operation on the border where we almost went into Gaza. Shortly after I finished the army in 2014, the IDF went into Gaza. So this is not something new, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but I hope this will be the last time that this happens. Uh, we certainly hope it will be for you and for really everyone in the region. Rudy Rockman, thank you for. What a reasonable man, you know. We almost wish uh, governments could have the wisdom of this uh, young Israeli reservist. Well, folks, that's our uh, that's our show for today. Um, we all are, of course, praying for the best outcome on this, and uh, the politics of it is so uh, almost insurmountable. I mean, uh, goes back. I remember Bill Clinton tried to. Uh, reach a um, Middle East peace accord. And he was very frustrated when he couldn't do it. Every president since, of course, has dealt with this. And um, this type of um, violence and terrorism is just uh, scary for the whole world. You know, it's uh, people talk about the potential could, could this be a World War III, you know? Uh, and it's uh, it's a quite, quite, quite scary thing that uh, this is all going on. Folks, if you're looking for a great attorney in the New York metropolitan area, then Joe Murray is your man. Joe Murray is a retired NYPD police officer and a fantastic defense attorney. You can reach Joe on his cell phone at 718-514-3855. Email him at joe at jmurray-law.com or go on his website, jmurray-law.com. Joe's not only a great defense attorney, but a huge supporter of the Police Off the Cuff podcast. So, folks, this is our report for today. Um, again, we started out discussing uh, rescuing of the hostages door-to-door, -door, which seems like a task that is, I shouldn't say impossible, but quite, quite difficult. 
And we all hope and pray that as many of these hostages as possible will be returned to their family, families returned to their loved ones, hopefully alive and unhurt. And that's our hope and prayers for this. I'm Bill Cannon from Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. Thank you so much for tuning in during these difficult times. This is a little bit off the topic of real crime or true crime, but it's probably the most important topic that is trending now in our world, and that's why we covered it. Thanks again. Have a great day, night, and God bless. One episode.